Good singing, everybody. Praise the Lord. Welcome to, uh, to worship together. Open your Bibles to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. If you are joining us by Facebook Live, God bless you. Welcome to you as well. Let us know who you are, where you're from, and, uh, and uh, we, we would love just knowing that you were part of this worship service. The announcements, Rod mentioned the phase groups. I know that sounds kind of weird. It is new. It's, it's something we've never done before. But we do want to break up uh, all of us together into the particular family phases that we're in. And everybody's in some phase, and everybody will have some group on Wednesday night at 6. So everybody come. Uh, but Casey and I are leading in particular the group for parents with children 18 and over, college-age kids, young adults. Who's in that category with us? Anybody? Uh, yeah, it's the best category of, of all. You know how it is. You think that the phase you're in is always the best possible phase, and you think it'll be so sad when they move on to the next phase. But I've just found that every single phase is the best and better than the one before. In um, that phase, when they move off to college, you almost feel like in some ways your job as a parent is done, and then you begin to realize you've just gotten started. You may have to change the way that you parent, uh, but you are still very, very much needed as mom and dad. So uh, join us 6 o'clock here Wednesday night. If you have uh, t- uh, children uh, in college or above, you'll be with me and Casey. Uh, we've got great uh, parent volunteers leading all of these groups together. Uh, Eric and Melissa DeVries are leading, I think it's third and fourth grade. If you have kids in third and fourth grade, man, I would just pay my, I don't have a third, I will borrow your fourth grader just to go and, uh, and see what Eric DeVries uh, will say. Uh, I love that. I love our church. I love our church family. Start a new sermon series entitled Sing. Uh, We're talking about what it means to sing together, why we sing, how important that is, the effect of that, why God wants us to, he commands us to. So let's start in Psalm 100. I actually start with a quote from a a scholar named Derek Kidner. He's an Old Testament scholar who says this, where God rules and where God is, there is singing. Where God rules, where God is, there is singing. Now he is speaking as a, a Bible scholar. So he's talking about his observations in Scripture. And when you read Scripture, it's one of the things that you simply cannot miss. Whenever you have any kind of glimpse into the throne room of God, where God rules, where God is, there's singing. There's always singing in his presence. It may be the songs of angels. It may be the songs of magnificent flying creatures singing holy, holy, holy. But where God is, there is singing, always singing. And so that is obviously why when we come into his presence, it just seems natural to sing. We spend most of our time singing, and it is marvelous to sing. Now, we're not all good singers, and I've spent my whole life in church, and in my life in church, I've probably known more bad singers than good singers. How many of you would agree with that? I I mean, not in this church, but the church I grew up in, y'all, anybody could get a microphone and sing a solo. I mean, anybody, and anybody did, and some of us never should have. I mean, we had all kinds of singing and caterwauling and people would just sing and people would say, somebody requested that I sing today. And you're like, who requested? You know, who, who asked them to sing today, man? Uh, I remember at one point growing up, we had a lady in the choir, not this church, another church, but that lady was just so bad that we're like, okay, what are we going to do? You know, how do we, because she was not just bad, she was like loud bad. Like loud, bad. And, and, and she just sang and sang. And man, in my life growing up in church, I, I've heard solos gone bad. I've had choirs, choir performances fall apart. You, know, I mean, I, you, just, you name it, you know, the sound system goes out. You know, people are just people. Um, 
But my soul has just been nourished and nurtured by the singing of God's people. This is not American Idol. This is not a show. This is God's people in God's presence coming before him with happy songs. This is what we do. It's what we do. We sing our faith. We sing our worship. And if you're like me and you've grown up in it, that means that the songs of the church have greatly shaped your heart, greatly shaped the way you think of God and the way you approach him. And for our children who are growing up in it now, that just is a reminder that what we sing and the way we sing is very, very important to them. We are literally shaping them, literally teaching them about the God that we worship and and what kind of God he is by the way that we sing and what we choose to sing to him, what we sing matters. And especially, it matters to our kids. So let's talk about singing to our kids, and uh, let's talk about the soundtrack of your family as we look at Psalm 100. Psalm 100, by the way, is the first whole chapter in the Bible that I ever memorized. Uh, I grew up in a house where my mom and dad wanted me to know scripture. And so my mom taught me Psalm 100. It's the first whole chapter. And I thought that was a big deal. It's a whole chapter. Don't point out that it's only five verses, y'all. I was a a kid. But these five verses are uh, among the, the deeper things in my heart because of that, because of parents who taught me the word. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. I get it. I get it? Yeah. I, I got it in King James, y'all. I know you're looking at the New Living. So I, had, I had a King James mama, and so <laughs> I, I learned that in King James. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. In the old days, families sang. They just did. If you're old enough to remember as I am, uh, it, it seemed like at one point in, in our history, at least in the South, Every single house had a piano, uh, or they wanted a piano. If they couldn't afford anything else, they managed to get some piano. And the piano would be sort of in the parlor in the middle of the house. And the piano was important because families would sing. I I know back in those days, honestly, you had to make your own entertainment. And so families would sing together, and they would sing a lot. And they typically sang the songs from church. The songs at home and the songs at church were all the same. Families sang there's an old song that's about this. It's a song that goes, Daddy sang bass, Mama sang tenor. You remember that? Me and little brother would join right in there. That's a song about family singing together. And it's interesting for the way it is sort of an artifact of days gone by. Because the days of a family singing around a piano are probably mostly gone. I mean, I don't think many of you are like the Von Trapps. Is that the Sound of Music family? Like, I don't, I don't know how many of us are still living like that. I don't think we are. In the center of our homes now, there is not a piano. There is a giant flat screen. I'm not criticizing that. I'm just helping you acknowledge the, the difference in our culture. Families don't have to make their own entertainment anymore. We are extremely well entertained. 
And for that matter, back in the day when your daddy sang bass, he never was all that good a bass singer. And now you've got John Mayer or Blake Shelton or any number of people who can outsing your daddy. I mean, honestly. And your mama, when she sang tenor, let's be honest, your mama sang tenor. It sounded like somebody stepped on a cat's tail. You, you know, now we got, we got Ariana Grande, y'all. Have y'all heard Ariana Grande sing? I mean, like, she can out-sing your mama all day long. It's just different. And, and now we live in this performance culture so that, indeed, we all listen to a whole lot more songs than we sing, and that's different. Your grandparents, your great-grandparents, they didn't live that way, but we do. We listen now to more songs than we ever sing ourselves, and families don't necessarily sing together anymore. So, the songs of the church aren't necessarily being sung in the family homes anymore. What what does that mean for us? Well, let me just say a couple of things. First off, our culture has changed. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it is. Culture always changes, and it's different now. Culture changes, but the Christian parent's responsibility has not changed. And it does not change. The Christian parent's responsibility is the same, to teach their children to know, love, and follow Jesus. Period. That is the Christian parent's responsibility. Now, there are an awful lot of things that you have to teach your kids for this life. I I know that. I raised a kid. I understand. You have to teach a kid how not to pick his nose and eat his boogers. You know, you have to teach them that because they all eat them. I don't know why. I've never... Kids tell me they're salty. I don't know. I don't want to know. But you have to teach kids these things. You have to teach them that that they can't run out in the street. You have to teach them how to tie their shoes. You have to teach them how to go to the bathroom, how to bathe themselves, brush their own teeth, brush their own hair. You teach your kids how to get the wax out of their ears. We have to teach kids the lessons they need for this life. They have to learn how to go to school, learn to read, learn to write. We have to teach them to do math and science. They have to learn how to do calculus, how to go to college because we want them to go to college so that they can make good money in this life and put us in a really nice nursing home. It's the American dream, right? So many things that you want to teach your kids. And I understand that. I I, I get that. I understand the burden of parenting. But you must understand that all of those things I just mentioned, they are not the most important thing. To teach your kid everything that he or she needs to know for this life, that's not enough. Because this life is not all there is. There is eternity to consider. And it does not matter what you do to prepare your child for living this life. It doesn't matter if you get them into college, if you do not get them into heaven. Do you understand the seriousness of what I'm saying? Do you understand that this life is actually very, very short? So if, if, if they never, ever give up the pacifier, like in their whole life, and some of you worry about this, like my, my kid's three years old, she got the pacifier. What if they never give it up? I'm still telling you, that's not going to be a problem. If they know Jesus, that's not going to be something to worry about. All of the things you worry about, understand, if your kid doesn't know Jesus, the problems that you think are the problem are not the problem. You have one responsibility, that is to disciple your children, teach them to know, love, and follow Jesus. This is your main job. Nothing else matters like this matters. You have to disciple your children. They have to know Jesus. If they don't know Jesus, if you do everything else for them and they never learn to know Jesus, then you have not done anything. You fail. You fail. If you do not prepare your children for eternity, you fail. 
So, Psalm 100 is a song. It's an, it's an ancient psalm. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Make a joyful noise is the way I learned it. Make a joyful noise. That's the verse that all the people who don't feel like they sing well always quote. You know, I can make a joyful noise, and you can. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with what? Singing. Come before his presence with singing joyful songs. Yeah, that, that's the point. In the first two verses, we learn an awful lot about God and this God that we worship and what our worship is supposed to be like. Make a what kind of noise? Joyful. Make a joyful noise. In other words, when you come into the presence of this God, the most appropriate thing in the world is joy. Joy. Joy is at home in his presence. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Make a joyful noise. If some of you make noises, they are not joyful. Joyful noise. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Worship him with gladness. Come before his presence with joyful songs. Are you getting the theme here? This is a happy God. This is a happy God. I don't know what kind of God you picture, but honestly, it'll, it'll always more or less be revealed in the way you worship and, and the way you sing to him. The way you worship God says everything about the kind of God you imagine that you worship. And the God that we worship is a happy God, a joyful God, a God in, in whom you come and you worship him with gladness, gladness, serve him with gladness. Come before his presence with joyful singing. He's a happy God. Some of you, the picture that you must have in your mind is this, you have this old man, this old man up in heaven with a long white hair and long white beard and long white robe and, and he's got lightning bolts and he's just ready to fry your sorry simple behind the first time you step out of line. I mean, this is your view of God, that he's up there looking at you with hate in his eye. That he's up there looking at you and he's watching you and he's just ready to suck the fun out of all your life. I mean, that's the God that you think. I mean, you may not say those words, but is that not the sort of the way you think of God? It's wrong. If that's your view of God, if that's how you think of God, you don't know anything about the God of the Bible, the God who is the father of Jesus Christ. This is a God, when you come into his presence, you make a joyful noise. You begin to sing because the song's already started. I mean, you walk in and it's already going. I mean, the worship service, the joy, the singing, the, I'm telling you, it's already happening. It's always and for eternity happening. In his presence, they're singing always. So when you come into his presence, you can't not participate in that. You can't be the one that stinks up the whole party. You try. You can't. You can't shut this down. You can't turn this off. This is simply the way creation responds to our great God. Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us. We didn't make ourselves. You can't make yourself. You can't change yourself. He is God. All you do is you come and you surrender. In his presence, every knee bows down. You understand? He is God. We're not God. We are his people, the sheep of his pastor. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Yeah, this psalm preaches itself. All I got to do is stand here and say it. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. People say, Pastor Tim, I, I don't get church. I come to church. I don't understand all you people down there, you know, raising your hands and singing, crying. I don't get that. I don't, I don't feel all that. 
You know, we're not talking about feeling stuff. Let's be clear about that. Worship isn't feeling stuff. We're not talking about feeling stuff. It's really about faith. It's about believing things. So we're not really talking about feeling stuff. You understand that? But at the very same time, God is real. And he is present here. And you need to know that he's here. His presence is not something that you're never expected to recognize, acknowledge, or respond to. God is a big God. He is real. And maybe the reason that that he never seems real to you is what you're missing in this passage right here. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Maybe the reason you never really feel like he's here is because you've never shown up yet with thanksgiving and praise in your heart. I mean, before you walk in the doors, the thanksgiving should already be happening in your heart because you understand who this God is and what he's done for you, and you start feeling thankful for that. I know there's a lot of things wrong in your life and a lot of things wrong with the world, but understand everything is right with God. And once you start to come into his presence, there's a thankfulness that kicks in if you're doing it right. There's a thankfulness for everything he's done for you. And has he not been good to you? I mean, you can just thank him right there for that breath right there. I mean, that breath that I took right there. I mean, that's from God. I mean, that breath I just borrowed from him. He is the one who breathed the breath of life into us in the very first place. And every breath I take, there's another one. I mean, every breath I take, that breath comes from his creation. I mean, I borrowed that breath from him. Every breath I take, it comes from him. Every single beat of my heartbeat, I can't make my heart beat. I just pray it keeps on beating. Do you understand? And every heartbeat, that's a gift from God. And so if I just started right there, Lord, thank you for that. And that one, thank you for that one and that one. You understand? I mean, the praise just keeps on going. If I just thank him for the basic breath and heartbeat, I mean, I can praise him for the rest of my life. But that's not all he does for me. He blesses me in countless ways. I promise you, praise and thanksgiving would do so much for you, so much for your family's life. How much of your breath do you spend complaining and why? What in the world do you have to complain about? And who do you think you're complaining against? A God who gives you everything, who cares for you and provides for you? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So right there, contained in this psalm is this concern for uh, our kids. They need to know this God who is good, how his mercy endures. They need to know this God. They need to know him like we know him. They need to know the stories that we've heard from our parents, and they need to know the stories that we can tell. They need to hear our stories. They need to know our songs. Do you understand? So Psalm 100 is itself a song, and it is a song that reminds us to sing and to teach and to disciple our children into all the generations, because the generations all need to know how good this God is. So understand, singing is one of the best ways to teach your children anything, anything, anything you want to teach them, sing it to them, it'll last forever. How do you teach children the 26 letters of the English alphabet? A song. Can you imagine trying to teach it any other way? Can you imagine saying, okay, kid, A, B, C, D. We'll come back and we'll do the other 22 tomorrow. I mean, you know, 
Oh, please. How do we teach the alphabet? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. And every kid learns to sing that. Every kid learns that. And that's how you know the alphabet. You understand? Singing makes learning fun. And anything you really want to teach them, you need to put it in a song. You never forget the songs that you learn to sing. I was blessed to grow up in the 70s with schoolhouse rock. How many of you are children of the 70s? Absolutely. I know how a bill becomes a law. Apparently, Congress doesn't know this secret anymore, but I still know because I can sing, I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill sitting here on Capitol Hill. Yeah, I know how a bill becomes a law. I know every single step. Hope and pray that I will, but today I am still just a bill. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, I never even noticed that Land of the Lost was off and Power Rangers was about to come on. I just got stuck in those songs. Those songs were great. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Yeah, either now or never. I mean, that was so good, y'all. That was so Good adverbs, lolly, 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 get your adverbs here. I mean, come on, I could do this all day long. I know how and why the U.S. population moved west because I had that whole elbow room song <laughs> on Schoolhouse Rock. You know, I know those songs, you know those songs. I- I'm telling you, if you want to teach it, put it in a song. And it's the same thing. I mean, the absolutely same thing with our faith, only so much more important. Whatever you want to teach your children, it travels deeper inside them if you sing it to them. Whatever you want them to know, it travels deeper inside them if you sing it to them. So as a parent, you need to think about this. You need to think about the songs that you want to carry your kid through her whole life. Because that's the power of singing. And that's the power of what happens when you learn to sing your parents' songs. Man, my mama had a piano in the middle of our house. She always wanted either Tracy or me to learn to play it. We never did. We're an awful disappointment to you, mama, I know. (laughs) My mom never loved housework a lot. I think that's fair to say. Um, She'd quit in the middle of housework and sit down at the piano and play. Now, my mom never really thought she's a great pianist, but, but she could play for herself, and she'd play and sing. She'd just stop, and she'd play, and she'd just sing songs to Jesus, and she'd have tears coming down her eyes. I mean, just singing to Jesus in the middle of the day. I learned to worship. Now, I was also a kid. I was a kid. And y'all know, do I need to explain kids to y'all? Okay, understand, I'm in that changing culture, so we have a piano and we have a television. Mom's over here singing songs to Jesus. I am up in here watching prices right. <laughs> understand? So when she starts singing, and my mom would sing, my mom used to sing this song that I've never heard anywhere else but heard mom sing. She used to sing this song called My God and I. My God and I go through the fields together. We walk and talk as good friends should and do. We, we clasp our hands Our voices ring with laughter. My God and I go through the meadows, Hugh. Mom would sing. But y'all, I'm watching Price is Right, so what did I do? I would say, I'm watching television. (laughs) Because that's what kids do, right? I'm watching television. You know, could you keep it down? Understand, you couldn't turn mama down. (laughs) 
We could turn prices right up and we did, but you couldn't turn her down and you couldn't stop her. My mother was unstoppable. We couldn't stop my mama, but I don't understand why we can't get some of us started. You understand the responsibility here. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. That means your kids. I mean, right here, this psalm makes you draw a straight line from your faith to the faith of your kids. And that, establishing that line, establishing that faith in them, that, that's your role, that's your job. Now, I love, I love being pastor of this church. I am the luckiest man in the world, and to be able to function in this way for this body is, is a blessing. In, in the last 24 hours, I preached a family funeral. I did a wedding. This morning, I did a baptism, Peyton Limely. The infant dedication at 8.30, Liam Rennick. Kid was awesome, y'all. It was amazing. I wish you'd all been here. This kid was awesome. He's so big. It's like carrying Rod around. Did you see that kid? Man. Awesome kid. Six months old. Yeah. It's neat. His little sister Adelaide is right here beside. And, you know, we said the very same words and dedicated her in the very same way. It's just beautiful. I love being the pastor of this church, but you have to understand, you are the pastor of your family, not me. I'm the pastor of this body of Christ, and and I have this role in in this body as we come together, but but you are the pastor in your house, sir, And, and mom, you are responsible to pastor your children. This is your job. And I know it's awkward. I know it's difficult. You know, people say, well, Brother Tim, I don't know the Bible like you know the Bible. I don't, I don't have answers to their questions. You, you don't need answers to their questions. But the fact that they'll ask you their questions and you'll talk about that, that's gold. Have those conversations. Pastor Tim, I just can't, I can't, I get all tongue-tied. I can't say it like you say it. Don't you understand? All the prayers they hear in church won't matter nearly as much as that prayer they hear coming out of their daddy's mouth. Th- that prayer, the way you pray it stuttering, stumbling, you're saying funny stuff. I mean, you're just, you know, it's just, you know, it's not a very impressive prayer, but it will feed the soul of your kids. You pray, you pray. You let them hear your praying voice. You let them hear your singing voice. You understand, you're the pastor of your family. You're pastoring your children. Mom, dad, this is your job. This is your role. And I want you to understand, you can't be scared of your kids. Remember, my mom is in there worshiping Jesus, and we're saying, we're trying to watch television because that's what we did. We're kids. We don't appreciate what she was doing for us. Yeah, you couldn't stop her. She'd turn off the TV, make us come in there and sing with her. And it was miserable. We made it miserable for all of us. Eventually, she'd slam the piano shut and say, y'all just go ahead, you awful kids. I mean, you know, she'd lose religion and everything right there because we made it so miserable. My sister would say out loud, this is so dumb. And we'd stand there. <sighs> you know, and she's singing, my God and I. And we're like, <sighs> You know, are we the only kids like that? Y'all ever seen other kids, you know, like that? I I thank God for a mama that sang songs to Jesus and, and, and you roll your eyes at her. She took that as encouragement, (laughs) you know, 
<laughs> don't be scared of your kids. You, you don't ask your kids permission to be the spiritual leader in the house. Understand? You don't have to ask their permission. This is your right and your responsibility to pastor them. You don't ask their permission. You don't get up on Sunday morning and take a vote to see who wants to come to church. You understand? You are the adult. You're driving the car. You bring the family to church. If, if you get up and have to ask everybody's opinion, you're already on the wrong foot. You have the right and responsibility to pastor. Now, I could have used the word parent here, but I'm using the word pastor on purpose. You're the pastor of your family. It's your responsibility to lead them to know and follow Jesus. So, so just a couple of things. Sing the faith and talk about what it means. Sing the faith. Like I say, if you want it to go down deep, sing it. I know you're not great singers. You don't have to be a great singer, but, but, but sing the faith. Sing the faith. We live in a marvelous day and age where, as I said, we can listen to a lot of music. And our parents and grandparents didn't have that, that option, but we do. I mean, you've got Pandora Radio, you've got Spotify, you've got Apple Music. And if you don't know what these things are, your kids do. So let them help you. Uh, Pandora Radio is fantastic. It's free. It's on the Internet. You, you can, like on Pandora, I can take a song that I like. And I'm telling you, one of the songs I really love that we sang this morning is You Are Good. I love that. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. I love that. I love that. First time I heard that, I went back home. I, I went into Pandora. I made a You Are Good station. So then I get that song and all kinds of songs that are just as good as that one, all worship songs, a lot of them black gospel. I love that. I got my own radio station called You Are Good Radio on Pandora. I love it. Listen to it all the time. But you can do that with any song that you name. You can look up Elevation Worship. Pandora has an Elevation Worship station. It's great, great worship music. I mean, this isn't hard anymore. It's all there. You're in your van all the time anyway. you got music playing. you got something playing. So be intentional about what you play. Be intentional. Sing the faith and then talk about what it means. This is the fun part. You have some great conversations because we're all the time mishearing lyrics. And I'm just being honest, y'all. When you're singing with kids, you're all the time like understanding that they don't understand the words. Now, if we stopped right now and went down the pews, you probably all got a story to tell about some song that you didn't hear right. Right? There's a kid singing on stage once in my church. He was singing Victory in Jesus. And he got to that last part, you know, he plunged me to victory. But the kids sing, he flushed me to victory. Like, yeah. No, no. Um, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. You know that one? Uh, the cattle are lowing the baby. Yeah, the kid was singing, the cattle are blowing the baby away. The cattle are blowing the baby away. It's like, no. Yeah. Jesus loves me, this I know. They are wheat, but he is straw. Yeah, heard a kid sing that. They are wheat, but he is straw. No, no. There's a girl in our church, girl in our church, we sing a song sometimes in cafes called God is on the move, God is on the move, on the move, hallelujah. Little girl in our church was singing, God is on the roof, on the roof, hallelujah, God is on the roof, yeah, yeah, woo, God is on the roof. There's an old worship song. I could do this all day, y'all. I was a, I was a worship leader, y'all. I, I know this. There's a song we used to sing called Our God Reigns. It's beautiful. Our God Reigns. Our God Reigns. Little girl on the pew with her hands up is singing, I got brains. I got brains. <laughs> that is just so sweet. And, and yeah. Uh, 
But these are great moments. Now, my sister Tracy is the queen. She's in her 50s. We're not talking about little girl. My sister's a queen of misheard lyrics. Like right now, she's out there singing because my sister sings all the time, but she never gets the words right. And it's hysterical. It's so funny. She just sings with her whole heart. Something's like, what? So she was driving with her daughter, Shelby. And I love this. Driving with Shelby. And this was back in the day when Reliant K was a really, really big Christian band. Reliant K, they're still awesome. Reliant K had a song called Be My Escape. You know this song? Be My Escape. I'm begging you. I'm begging you to be my escape. Great song. Be My Escape. Well, my sister didn't hear it exactly right, but she still wanted to take a moment, you know, to have a spiritual conversation with her middle school daughter. So they're driving down the road and, and they're singing, you know, be my escape, be my escape. And all of a sudden, Tracy just turns right down and says, Shelby, what do you think it means when we sing, be my skin? <laughs> Shelby said, I don't know, mom. Why do you ask? <laughs> well, the song we were just singing, you know, about God and how he's our skin. And Shelby said, again, Shelby's middle school, mom, that doesn't say be my skin. It's be my escape. And then Tracy says, well, what does it mean to say be my escape? And, and they have this marvelous conversation, you know? It's a conversation where Shelby gets to explain to Tracy, you know, what it means to be my escape. And Tracy gets to explain to Shelby why it means so much to have God be your skin. <laughs> but this is a good conversation. You get that? That's a good conversation. And we'll tell that story till we're all dead. You know, and we still, you know, we still laugh at you know, Tracy with God being her skin. I mean, it's just her, but that's a good conversation for mother and daughter. And this is why I'm saying you don't have to be the best singer. You don't have to have all this right. It's just if you'll step in and have these conversations, if you'll just sing the faith and then talk about what it all means, you're discipling your kids. This is good parenting here. This is good pastoring here. And you're in the position to do it. Nobody else is. Nobody else is there to sing with them and sing into their hearts. I mean, this is your job. Sing the songs that thrill your own soul. Sing your songs to them. Now, you can't make the mistake of thinking they're going to love all your songs because they won't. I mean, churches through all the generations have the arguments. You know, all the parents and grandparents want the kids to sing and love their songs. And the next generation never loves all the songs of the old generation. They just don't always survive. Uh, songs have a shelf life. They all do. That They all do. All songs are sung for a while in history. Then we put them away and new songs take their place. And, and each generation writes and sings their new songs. And, and we just need to accept that, celebrate that, learn to sing their songs with them. But at the same time, you need to make sure they know the songs that mean something to you because that's coming from your soul. That's how they know what you know about Jesus. I don't sing my God and I go through the fields together, but my mama did. And I know what that meant to her to think about that friendship with Jesus. It was so precious to her. I never really wanted to sing this song, but I sure wanted that friendship with Jesus. Understand? Sing the songs that thrill your own soul and make sure your kids know what those songs are. Honestly, if I continue to be the pastor of your family, one day you could die and we could sit around the table and, and somebody will say, were there any songs that were important to your mama, any songs that mattered to your daddy? What will your kids say? I mean, when it's over, we're putting the period at the end of your life, what are the songs that they're going to say for you? I'll say, well, mama always loved Grey's Anatomy. 
Maybe y'all could play the theme song to that. I mean, I'm not really joking, you all. I'm in those meetings a lot, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of interesting how anymore there are rarely songs of faith that families share. I mean, thank God for Go Rest High, you know, because that's about all we got anymore. We played Freebird a lot at funerals in the last 10 years, which, by the way, takes 13 minutes. <laughs> it takes 13 minutes. I mean, like, take me to heaven, you know, before this is over. Nothing against Freebird, y'all. But do you understand what I'm saying? Where, where your kids get to the end of your life and all you've left them is free bird. I, I just think as a, as, a, as a man or woman of God, I, I, I think that that's not your plan, is it? Aren't you hoping to give them more? I mean, can't you, in, in the course of these years, can't you give them a song that after you're gone, that song could keep singing back to them and it would keep them in the path? I mean... I'm, I'm not sure that, a, Lord, I was born a rambling man is going to do that the way you think. Sing the songs that through your own soul. Sing them for your kids. Give them songs that will take them through their whole life. L- last thing, at home, teach them how to worship at church. I know that's a circular sentence. I like it. At home, teach them how to worship at church, and, and it works vice versa. Understand? In other words, when you're at home, prepare them for how to worship when they get to church because worship is a way of life. It's not just going to church and learning to sit there, you understand, and be quiet. No, you want to teach your children to worship. And the best way to do that is to be a worshiping family. That means I'm not saying you sit down in the living room and take up an offering. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you raise your children to live in the presence of God, the God in whom we live and move and have our being, so that there's no strong, firm line between your life at church and the life that you live at home. See, this is a problem for a lot of our kids. They get to church, and all of a sudden, it's a very different man and woman with them that, you know, I mean, they get, you know, the, the dad that is at church is not dad that is at home. You know what I'm saying? Like, your kids aren't dumb. Your kids understand that, like, if, you, if y'all ride to church and, and you're just cussing and fighting all the way in the parking lot, and then as soon as you get here, you know, the door's open and the whole family pops out and, and, and you're different. I mean, kids know that's fake. I mean, they know that you're fake and you're training them to have sort of fake faith because they learn that from you. They, they learned that. The fact that, you know, you may sing songs to Jesus in church sometimes, but then you go home and we never, ever hear Jesus' name again. Your kids, you know, they're learning. They're, they're going to learn to love Jesus the way you love Jesus, and they're going to learn to worship him the way you worship him, and they're going to develop the same kind of prayer life that you have. I'm telling you, you're their pastor. You're their example. You're training them. You're discipling your children. And there really shouldn't be a really big difference between the life you have together at church and the life you have together at home. So, at home, teach them how to worship at church. Like I say, if there's a song that you like in worship, take it home. Find it on the internet. Find it on Pandora. Find it on Apple Music and learn to play it. Sing it at home together. Uh, Listen to Christian radio, Way FM, WCVK. I mean, you know, you've got options here. It doesn't have to be all beaver all the time. Because you have a responsibility to teach them how to worship, how to know, how to love Jesus. 
You can't just pull up under that canopy, put your kids out, and hope that somebody else does this job for you. There is nobody else to do this job for you. They're your kids. And he's your God. You want your kids to know your God. Because he's good. He's good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures all generations. We're talking about your kids. Pray with me. There's just not enough time, Lord. Our, our, our kids aren't with us long enough. Lord, they're not little very long. Or they can sit in church beside us. They're not little for long. And then, Lord, they're not in our house very long. They, they grow up so fast and are gone. Lord, there's just not enough time. And, and we don't really know how to do this, Lord. We fail. We're not... Always good examples. We don't sing our faith or live our faith for that matter, Lord. Our kids, we always just mean to do better, Lord, but we never seem to do better. And meanwhile, our kids grow up and they're gone and they got what they got. So, Lord, teach us. Teach us to bring our children uh, to know you because you won't fail them ever and you'll never let them down. You'll never disappoint. You'll never fail. You'll never break a promise. You'll always be there, Lord. When I am gone, my son will still have you, oh God. So teach me with every breath, every word, every song, every moment of my life with him, Lord. Just help me point him to you that he may know the God who brings joy and life. Lord, we pray this for all of our children, grandchildren. Lord, we are human and we fail them. Lord, we're never good enough, but Lord, you are perfect and you are the heavenly father who calls us all your children. So teach us, Lord. Teach us to teach our children to know you. Pray these things in your precious, beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.